0: Thoughts take hold of me. I remember you're the prince of.
1: Good morning. Welcome to City Church. When we begin our services each week, we begin with a call to worship, a way of orienting our minds, our hearts toward the Lord. Um, If you would stand for this call to worship, I'm going to read from, I'm going to do something a little unique, going to read from Psalm 100, and then I have a surprise after that for all of you wonderful people. Psalm 100. generation. So here's a surprise. I, you can look at this later if you'd like. I actually decided I, my, um, my dad had a hymnal from 1889, actually, uh, that now I have. Um, and I'm going to read hymn number one uh, from this hymnal from 1889. And actually the hymn that I'm reading, and this will be our prayer, uh, this reading from this hymnal, uh, this is from the Reverend William Keith, who as far as we can tell is a Bible translator and he focused on translating the Psalms and so this hymn is based off of Psalm 100 and it was written all the way back in 1561. So 1561. Here's our prayer this hymn from the Reverend William Keith. Let's pray together. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with mirth, his praise forth tell, come ye before him. And rejoice, know that the Lord is God indeed, without our aid, He did us make. We are His flock, He doth us feed, and for His sheep He doth us take. O oh, enter then His gates with praise, approach with joy His courts unto, praise, Lord, and bless His name always, for it is seemly so to do. Lord we ask that you would encourage our hearts this morning. It is sometimes very difficult to worship joyfully and energetically on dreary days um, where it's the cold outside can, can make our hearts cold if we're not careful. And this is a busy season that we're all in right now with ongoing challenges. And so I do pray that you would quicken our souls, that this would be a lively time of spirit-guided worship. We love you so very much, and I pray that you would help us express that love exuberantly this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning once again to city church my name is chipper i'm one of the pastors here we are a church aspiring to be an authentic community walking with god in our city and part of walking with god in our city means worshiping corporately musically hearing the preached word responding in communion as we will do a few moments from now as well i love you We want to get to know you. Even if I've never met you, I love you. I really do. I'm glad that you're part of this family. I'm glad that you're visiting. If you're visiting this morning, please consider filling out a connection card. We love it. We absolutely love it when you put your prayer requests on there. Um, We do a little dance when we get 15, 20 of those things that come in on Monday mornings. We really do. It excites us to hear from you. So consider filling out this connection card that we put in your bulletin uh, with your prayer requests, and you can stick them in the seat pocket in front of you, and we will pick them up after this service, and we will pray for you. And as some of you found out this week, someone asked me this week, or made the comment, I didn't know that you actually read those things and prayed over them. We do, and we love it. Uh, and I'll try to drop even more notes so that you know that we are praying for you. Um, so you can fill out that connection card. There's also um, a way to do it virtually. You can go to citychurchgmv.com connection. You can fill out a virtual card on your phone. So if you don't have a physical one, you can do that. Uh, also, these cards are a great, great way to indicate interest in the life of our church, to ask us questions we're very responsive to them. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as the people of God is giving generously. You can give online, slash give, or there's a brown box in the back of the sanctuary. Uh, there's some envelopes there, there's some pins there as well. There's a lot of things that I could highlight that are going on in the life of our church, but I want to focus this morning on serving both in the church and outside the church. Let's start with outside first. We Got our uh, mentorship program back on track at Aquin Jones. We had been mentoring there for a few years. This is a school just a mile from us, uh, middle school, high school combo. We were mentoring there, put on pause because of the pandemic, launched it again this week. Just really wonderful being back physically on that campus. They mentioned while we were uh, checking in, they didn't really even know how to use their volunteer system anymore. you we were the first volunteers that had been on campus in two years, and so they're like, what do we, how do we do this? So. Uh, Praise God that we were there. Um, And I have news for you. If you hadn't gotten in on this yet, you're thinking, I might like to go mentor some students at this school. uh, We are having a training on Monday evening. Let's make sure I don't butcher the details here. Uh, It's tomorrow at 7 o'clock. So if you go to the community room tomorrow at 7 o'clock, we will be there and we will help you understand what it means like what the commitment is, the nuances of the school, why the school exists. So we would love to see you tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and we're talking about you. So don't look at your neighbor. We would love to have you. It is a really joyful thing. It really is to be involved in the life of of the students in this way. And also our homeless uh, outreach team continues to collect all kinds of supplies. Uh, Clothing, shoes have been kind of in demand recently, so if you have shoes that you'd like to donate, that would be great. And, of course, blankets. We keep running out of blankets and warm things for obvious reasons. Uh, Continue to bring those in. Um, This week, up through next Sunday, I think is sort of the cutoff for our next kind of wave before we have another outreach. And so, if you have things you want to bring in, you can bring them in during the week. You can bring them in next Sunday. And that would be fantastic. We also have emerging needs in the life of our church for um, people to serve on our ministry teams. And I want to highlight a couple. Uh, One, we need more folks. So, the folks, first of all, that are in the back here, they're doing our audio visual, they're like the offensive line. They're back there doing faithful work, and ideally you don't hear from them or see them during a service, but they're doing a fantastic job. The work doubled during the pandemic because now we do the video thing and and all that goes into that. We need more people to help on that team, to serve on that team. We're a little thin. Uh, A wonderful opportunity to get to know some other people and really bless the church. If you're interested, just put something on your connection card. We will follow up with you. But you can see we have a lot of opportunities to serve. The children's ministry team always needs people. Hospitality team always needs people. Uh, but I do want to emphasize our AV team has a lot of needs uh, right now, so we would encourage you. And th- there's a lot of kinds of things that you do. You don't have to be an expert at audiovisual stuff. There's, all, there's a whole spectrum of things that you can be a part of. Um, and I think this is a win not only to bless people, but to grow in your love for Jesus. Each month at City Church, we do a pastoral prayer, an extended time of prayer for our church and also for our city and for our world. Tyler Jacobs is pastoral resident here at City Church. You can clap for that. Yeah. He's going to lead us in this time of prayer. It's an extended time. Usually it goes on for a few minutes, something that he has thoughtfully uh, prayed over and written out. And I would encourage you to, to sit in this, um, even to turn your phones off, to, to mitigate all distractions and allow the Lord to really work in you as Tyler prays for us.
2: words from Psalm 27 and 2 Corinthians 3. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. from one degree of glory to another. Let's pray together. Father, would that be our only request this morning and this month, um, even this year, really, that it would be the thing that we long for most that we seek after, uh, that we would dwell in your house all the days of our lives and that uh, we would long to gaze upon your beauty. Um, Lord, I know and I confess, how often we can be too quick to ask for a change of circumstances or a change of feelings from you without first asking to see uh, more of you for who you really are, um, to not just know about your love, grace, and truth, and your character, but to actually see it as beautiful. Father, forgive us for the ways we have sought after things you have made and looked to them to fill the need for beauty in our lives uh, more than we have looked after you. Uh, for the people, the things that, Lord, each one of us have turned into our one thing that we have made into um, an ultimate thing. Uh, That could be friends, careers, family, Lord, you know um, each of our hearts, and so, Lord, forgive us for that, but we do thank you that, like this passage says, even though we deserve to uh, have your glory hidden from us, that through Christ, you you have torn the veil. Um, Lord, may we see more deeply the beauty of Jesus' love for us in the gospel, um, that though having all the beauty, he would empty himself of his beauty on the cross in order to make us beautiful in your sight, and that's an amazing thing. It's hard to even grasp, as Paul is saying here, and we do want to grasp it, though. We need your spirit and your help to do that more this month, and so we pray for it. Um, Lord, I pray specifically uh, that this gospel would provide comfort to those in our church who are hurting today. Um, peace to those who are anxious. Uh, conviction and motivation when um, we might be apathetic or indifferent. Uh, Lord, I pray that it would provide hope uh, if any of us are fatigued right now. and um, Ultimately, like Paul says, that it would also provide freedom from uh, sin and, and from things that Lord, we might trust in more than Christ. And so, Lord, we pray for that and do pray, too, in light of this month, uh, there is the City Roots project that's launching at the end of the month, and we want this to be the basis for that. Um, we pray that as we look to expand in downtown, um, yeah, that would be the motivation, that that we would uh, want to see other people gather with us and uh, worship you together. Um, Lord, we pray for the event itself, that it would be catalytic for the rest of the project. It would be unifying. Um, Lord, would it be a time that we can reflect on everything you've done for us and through us in this church, and we thank you for the City Roots team, for the people that are on this team that are here and those who are not that um, yeah, we would even reach and exceed our goal, uh, the short-term goal of 3,000 to close on our building by March 1st. Um, Lord, there's other things to pray for this month, and we pray for the community engagement and evangelism efforts that are continuing. Um, May you use the class, Questioning Christianity, to continue fostering dialogue with our friends and people in the city who may not believe in Jesus. Um, Lord, we pray as well for our our Street Outreach team that um, you continue to help us serve and love people in downtown who are in financial need. Uh, And do pray too, Lord, for just more opportunity um, to proclaim your excellencies in our daily lives. That looks different for each one of us, but we do pray that you would show us who those people are and um, who in our unique sphere of influence we can um, connect with that we would yeah, we'd be compelled to share not out of obligation, not just out of obligation and definitely not out of fear, but um, yeah, just motivated by your beauty and wanting others to see it as well. So Lord, thank you again for this church and this month we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Tyler. Um, Our scripture passage This morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're really, we're focusing on verses 18 through 21, but I'm going to read 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 21, the passage will be up here on the screen if you have a Bible, we would very much encourage you to pull that out and follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, there are blue Bibles in the baskets and the seats in front of you and you're welcome to own that, to take it home with you if you don't own a Bible. While you're looking for that passage, let me just say, if you don't know what the City Roots Project is, it's where we are, Lord willing, buying our building, um, all four suites, not just this suite, but all four suites of this building, and then we'll be renovating it over time. Uh, we, we have to raise $300,000 to close by the end of March, and we are on our way, and we'll say more at our launch event at the end of February. I think Tyler said $3,000 in his prayer, um, if he did say that, we'd be done by now. I wish it was 3000 with my whole, whole heart, uh, but it turns out to be $300,000. But maybe, maybe Tyler just sort of brought something upon us here that we'll find out about in the next couple of weeks. You never, you never know how the Lord's going to work. All right, let me read this passage for us. As we're doing now each week at City Church, when we read the passage, if you are able to stand, please stand for the reading of this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. This is the true and authoritative word of our Lord. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, give us the resources that we need by your Spirit to grab hold this morning of this absolutely magnificent text, which very much holds out the heart of the gospel, but also commissions us at the same time. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here is a rather arresting consideration for your Sunday morning. We are all in ministry together. Look around you. There are your ministry partners. We are all in ministry together. Those who are in Christ, who are united with Him, we're in Christ, Christ in us. We are all in ministry together. And I think this is an arresting consideration because if this is right, i got to tell you, I really think this is right, if this is right, probably too many of us are riding the bench, we're not really in the game, and then pressing that metaphor a bit further, our, um, our baseball team, and I'm, I'm thinking mainly here about the American church, that baseball team, is perhaps a A teensy bit dysfunctional right now, right? There's lots of arguing about positions, uh, lots of arguing about who should be managing, lots of arguing about what the object of the game really is, you know, a little bit of arguing about the right way to baptize the baseball players. By the way, did you know that the Atlanta Braves baseball team won the World Series this year? If you didn't know about it, you should Google it. Look it up. Some people have called that the highlight of 2021. Now, if you watch baseball movies, which probably is kind of a niche thing, you know, or really just sports movies in general, if you watch sports movies in general, you know what happens next with these dysfunctional teams, okay? A a mysterious figure, like in his 70s, visits the clubhouse of the dysfunctional team and basically says, and you need to hear this with a, with a James Earl Jones voice, basically says, you've lost your joy for the game. That's your problem. You've lost your joy for the game. And then everyone is like, oh man, he's, he's totally right. And then folks start crying and, and reconciling and so forth. And then they start winning a lot of games. And the player who wasn't playing at all becomes the best player. And eventually the team either wins the championship or plays in the championship and loses the game, but that doesn't matter because that's not what's really important in life. That's every sports movie. So if you haven't seen any of them, now you've seen all of them. You don't even need to bother with it anymore. It probably goes without saying that the ministry we are in, as Jesus followers, is far more important than a game. And let's just say that that James Earl Jones does not wish that he had my voice. However, I do believe that joy has a lot to do with understanding and embracing this ministry that God has given us. Specifically, the joy found in understanding and believing the message we'll be unpacking in just a a few moments. And I'm suspicious that understanding and embracing this ministry and message can help Jesus' followers deal with some of the dysfunction in question, that it can end up being actually quite galvanizing for the people of God. So two reflections this morning. Two reflections this morning. God gives us, number one, the ministry of reconciliation, and then number two, the message of reconciliation. God gives us, number one, the ministry of reconciliation, and number two, the message of reconciliation. We'll start with that first reflection. God gives us, church, the ministry of reconciliation. Let's look together at verses 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. All this, at the beginning of verse 18, refers us back to what we talked about last week, that those who are in Christ are part of God's new creation order. When we're united with Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and God makes us new. We have new views of truth, new affections, a new understanding of human destiny, new purposes, and so forth, and we're part of his new covenant community. We are a people, we're a new people together. Well, speaking of, of new purposes, here's one. God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. The word us is a troublesome word in 2 Corinthians, including right here in verses 18 through 21. Sometimes, despite the plural form, us, refers to the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter, and potentially some of his ministry companions. It's kind of like a a royal plural, so to speak. Sometimes us refers to Paul and all other Christians. Sometimes us refers to Paul and all other Christians, but with a bit of an asterisk. So that's what we're dealing with. here. Now check this out. Verse 18 contains options number two, And number three, the the us whom God reconciles to himself through Christ is certainly Paul plus all other Christians, past, present, and future. But the us to whom God has given the ministry of reconciliation is Paul in a unique sense, a uniquely authoritative sense, you might say, plus all other Christians in a general, broader, yet still very real sense. And this is the the asterisk option. Paul had an authoritative calling, a calling he defends throughout his letter in light of his opponents, his, his rivals in Corinth. He had this authoritative calling to apostolic ministry directly from the Lord, tethered to his miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. And that's why this very letter begins with this line, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's how this letter starts. And so accordingly, Paul traveled around the Mediterranean basin preaching and starting churches and raising up leaders to shepherd those churches. That's what he did as a divinely commissioned apostle. And what was Paul's message as an apostolic minister of reconciliation. Here's a message. Look at verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We'll press more into this message later on in our time, but good night. Are there a couple of of doozies here that immediately merit our attention. Number one, trespasses, that is, sins, could and truly should be counted against all of us. Sentiments about the the universal, moral goodness of human beings are on the rise among professing Christians, even in churches, but Scripture does not support that view at all. Are we good creations and Immensely valuable as image-bearers of the Almighty God. Yes, morally good, not so much. And despite the, the cultural currents away from this reckoning with universal sinfulness in our heart of hearts, we, we know that's dishonest. I mean, just pause for five seconds, and we can see sin in our own lives, sin in our neighborhoods, sin in our cities, everywhere. G.K. Chesterton wrote in his book, Orthodoxy, that the doctrine of original sin is the only part of Christian theology that can really be proved just by opening your eyes. But, number two, in Christ, God has done and is doing reconciling work in which He is not counting the trespasses of the world against the world. And this point is even more countercultural than the first one. I mean, here we are, think about this. Here we are, swimming around in the seas of vindictiveness, counting sins against everybody. That's what we're doing. We're out to get folks who have offended us in some way, real or perceived. And here God is not counting our trespasses against us. It's it's almost awkward right now. I mean, this is yikes. Plus, if God isn't counting our sins against us, what is he doing with them, right? I mean, if he's not counting them against us, what is he doing with them? Oh, baby, we we will get back to that. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So this was Paul's ministry, and this was Paul's message. This is what he was going around telling people. In church, here's where things get real. Yes, Paul had this apostolic commissioning, but this is, this is still our ministry too. Are we apostles in exactly the same sense that Paul was? No. Are we all vocational pastors? Are we all men and women of the cloth? We're not. And that let me tell you, the past couple of years, that's not such a bad thing. But even though we could possibly say that Paul was the chief minister, maybe we could say that Paul was sort of the chief minister of the ministry of reconciliation, we're still in the ministry together, imploring people, you can see this in verse 20, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. You know, These days in, in polite conversation about spiritual topics, we're supposed to say things like, you know, we, we both know we're not trying to convince each other of anything. I mean, we're, not, we're just having a conversation. We're not trying to convince one another of anything. We're just sharing ideas, to which I kind of feel like saying, right, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm actually imploring you. We're all in ministry together. This is the inescapable sentiment of Paul's writing. Sometimes he makes this very explicit, like in Romans chapter 10. Sometimes it's implicit. He's setting... An example to be followed, even though we aren't all going to have his apostolic office. And then consider that Jesus, my goodness, during his earthly ministry, never really met someone he didn't send because sentness was directly tied up with following him. That's what it is. Plus, as sent people, his disciples were supposed to make more disciples. See Matthew chapter 28, who by definition would then themselves be sent to make more disciples. And then on and on. And on we go, and that brings us into today. And then just, just thinking about things logically, dare we assume that the ministry of reconciliation was going to be a, a wrap once Paul kicked the bucket? You know, I mean, sad news about Paul. Now let's, you know, let's just eat cake and, and wait till Jesus comes back. I hope not. I don't like cake. At least not that much. The fact that I feel a certain amount of pressure these days to defend our corporate ministry and insensitive as God's people is telling. There's there's skepticism in the air. There is. Some of it is a, a product of our cultural moment. You know, a lot of us feel like we live in this sort of anti-proselytizing age, which may be, but we proselytize a whole lot of things in our cultural moment too. Some of us have this, this sense that, that Christianity isn't even perceived neutrally anymore by some of our neighbors, and, and that makes us a little bit sheepish. But I think, I think there's something else at play. I think even more of it has to do with this overlooked word in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to himself, reconciled us to himself, and check this out. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Raise your hand. i do actually done through this. Let's, because if you're feeling this way, just this is hypothetically. Raise your hand if, when we first read this verse, you are overwhelmed with joyful gratitude. Like, oh, what, what a good gift it is that God has generously given us this ministry of reconciliation. Praise him. The text says gave. It says gave, but I am suspicious that a lot of us hear this as something like, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and burdened us with this dodgy, culturally insensitive, by I guess still necessary, ministry of reconciliation. Or to put it another way, I am suspicious that a lot of us have lost our ministerial Joy. Or maybe never had it. Why? Because because we're losing our faith? Maybe. But I think something else is at play. Pastorally, I think we're feeling beat up. I think we're feeling tired. I think we're feeling discouraged. I think a lot of us are disappointed with Jesus' church, even hurt by it and therefore wondering why in the world we would want to be involved in the ministry of said church or publicly associated with it in any way. I think a lot of us sense that Jesus' church, especially here in the United States, is internally unreconciled, making it feel kind of disingenuous to tell people a message that has anything to do with reconciliation. And then as I alluded to earlier, I think a lot of us sense that Christianity is is falling out of social favor. I think this depends right now a lot on where you live, but I think a lot of us have this feeling that Christianity is falling out of cultural and social favor. And that'll wear on you after a while if you're not used to it. And it often causes these these in-house skirmishes as as some folks respond to this. Here's how they respond. They want to charge the hill and win the country back for Jesus, while other folks feel like we're getting our just desserts, and want to demo the entire house so we can do some remodeling. So I have a thought, I was thinking this week. I have a thought, an, an idea, if you will. I wonder what would happen if we took God at his word anyway. I wonder what would happen if we put ourselves in the game and just started having conversations with our neighbors and coworkers, asking questions, listening really well, and telling people about Jesus. I wonder what would happen if we started having conversations, even even with the the hardened people, we don't think would ever be reconciled to God. And what if we did this, not because we have certain cultural goals in mind, or, or numbers we want to report on social media, but simply because we love God and we trust Him that this ministry of reconciliation that he gives us is indeed a wise and joyful gift and that it will bear fruit. That's that's my idea. And here's what I think will happen. Here's what I think will happen. Number one, I think that getting in the game will itself increase our joy. Let me share. This might, if I had to name one, like the most important observation that I've made now and over You know, 10, 12 years of vocational ministry. This might be the most important transformative observation that I've made. Those who are most encouraged and joyful spiritually are those who talk the most about Jesus with others. There it is. Those who are most encouraged and joyful spiritually are those who talk the most about Jesus with others. And I want to be really clear. The ministry itself has something to do with this joy, which helps us understand why it's a gift and not a burden. These folks didn't just become joyful and, and then minister. The ministry itself actually increases their joy. They didn't just sit around and say, once I get joyful, I'm going to go do this. They started doing it, and it increased their joy in the Lord. Participating in God's mission. Participating in God's mission. And I'm, I'm borrowing here from Avery Willis, Willis who is a missiologist, uh, God's mission is basically, I would say, is the redemptive purpose of God to establish his kingdom. Participating in God's mission is a pre- preeminently joyful participation. Becoming Christ's ambassadors, verse 20, is a preeminently joyful ambassadorship. And conversely, riding the bench. I'm telling you, it's very often the fast track to joylessness and spiritual depression. Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about this in his book, Spiritual Depression. It's called Spiritual Depression. Martin Lloyd-Jones, easily one of the top ten, at least, most helpful books I've ever read in my entire life. One of the primary causes of spiritual depression is sitting on your faith and not talking about it with anybody. So that's the idea, and number one, I said, is getting in the game will itself increase our joy. i want to say a second thing, though. Getting in the game will help galvanize and unify God's people. If you're worried about all the dysfunction, well, guess what? Getting in the game will help galvanize and unify God's people. When we are not on mission, church, when we're not on mission, here's what happens. We start arguing about the carpet. We start arguing about all the minutiae because our minds aren't really on Jesus. And we develop social cliques within the church that meet our needs because our minds aren't really on Jesus. And and political goals and affiliations become more interesting to us than Jesus himself, because our minds aren't really on Jesus, at least not directly. So reconciliation in the church comes when we direct our gazes back to Jesus, which is kind of a fancy way to describe putting our our hope in him. And there is no better way to do that, to redirect your gaze towards you. There's no better way to do that than to start talking about him again with other people. To be in ministry together as ministers of reconciliation, unified around this this common goal. No better way to redirect your gaze and to have conversations with people about Jesus, to speak of the Lord's work in your life. Now, if we're gonna participate in this ministry of reconciliation, we need to have a a very solid handle on the nature of this appeal that we are making, which of course is really God's appeal through us. We're ambassadors that He has sent with His message. So we're gonna have to have a really solid handle on that truth. And as it turns out, this kind of clarity also builds up our joyfulness in the Lord. So Let's take a look at that second reflection. God gives us the message of reconciliation. So he gives us the ministry of reconciliation and has a message. What is that message? Our trespasses, church, our sins, have to do with this universal condition in which we tend to believe in ourselves more than or entirely instead of God. That's the nature of our sin. And then we rebelliously do things our way, instead of His way, which leads to idolatrously worshipping ourselves, other people, other things, in God's place. That's what happens. And then, to put it very bluntly, we become enemies of God. Romans chapter 5. We become enemies of God on account of our sin, alienated from the one who created us and loves us. Thus our need for divine reconciliation. In this vertical enmity, it manifests itself in horizontal enmity and relational fracturing. Thus our need for reconciliation with one another. So God... Being rich in mercy and abounding in steadfast love, he decided to do something about our unreconciled estate. Verse 18, through Christ, God reconciled us to himself. And then Paul expands on this in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Notice the expansiveness of this reconciling work. All the peoples of the world are a part of it. You see this? All the peoples of of the world are a part of it. Or as, as John talks about it in Revelation chapter 7 every nation, tribe, people, and language will be represented in God's celestial throne room, worshiping together for all of eternity. And how is this reconciliation possible? How is this possible? How is it that God can justly deal with our trespasses without counting them against us? It's possible in Christ. In Christ. Look at verse 21. Most, I think, concise and powerful summary of the good news of the gospel in the entire Bible. I don't, if this doesn't do it for you, this, this is kind of the end of the road here. Verse 21 For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he, that is God, emphasis here on the Father, made him. Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was willfully born into this world, becoming fully man while remaining fully God. And he did so in order that God the Father might take our sin and put it on Jesus, even though Jesus himself is without sin, and morally perfect. And then Jesus did some really remarkable things, church, with that sin. He died on the cross, becoming our substitute and paying the penalty for that sin. And then he rose again from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death that we might be liberated from sin and death forever. That's what he did with it. So get this. Jesus put on our sin so that we could put on his righteousness. That is a really good trade. I mean, I, I used to trade various sports cards when I was younger. Also, Pogs. You ever heard of those? Google that. You have two things at Google now. Atlanta Braves 2021 and Pogs. Marbles are good, too. I know trades, folks. This is a good one. You are getting a LeBron James rookie card in exchange for a, a Polaroid picture of some random guy from your rec league. That's what you're sending away, and you are getting LeBron James. I don't do sports metaphors that often, so I'm just opening the gates this morning. Who is the the us that benefits from all of this? Anyone from any corner of the world who turns away from their sin and puts their hope in Jesus, thereby experiencing the reconciliation that God has accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the us. And if this describes you, Check this out. Your sins are forgiven, and you are now hidden with Christ in God. Christ represents you before the Father so that when he looks upon you, when the Father looks upon you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And we're no longer at enmity with God, but we become God's friends. It's biblical language. We go from enemies to friends. This is the message of our ministry. This is what we are taking to our neighborhoods, our cities, to our world. Christ represents us before God, and then, check this out, we go represent Christ to the world as his ambassadors, as his his messengers. Christ's representation before the Father makes us his representatives to the world. And we'll do all of this with with different gifts and with different styles, but but always with the same message. Some of us will be street preachers with, with fire in our belly, and some of us will be couch listeners with tears in our eyes, but always with the same message. And speaking of tears, here's a, here's a good way to think about our ministry. This is shout out here to Scott Sunquist, the president of Gordon-Conwell Seminary, this is from some of his material. Here's what, here's what we're doing. Here's a good way to think about our ministry. We are, we are taking people's tears, and we are wiping them away with the good news of the gospel. We're telling them that they can be reconciled to the God of the universe, and we are telling them that this friendship will flourish into eternity with ever-increasing, ever-expanding joy. You know that our joyfulness in heaven is not static. It's dynamic. It'll be growing. So if you're worried about getting bored, think again. And we're telling them that the grace and forgiveness of God are so overwhelming, that they're so great, that when we experience them, they foster horizontal reconciliation, even in the darkest of places, even among sworn enemies. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, Be reconciled to God. I implore you. We implore you. Be reconciled to God. If you're here and you you do know Jesus, how does this message hit you this morning? Might it be that your ministry of reconciliation is on life support and instead you're spending half your day on Reddit because someone is wrong on the internet Might that scenario have something to do with verse 21, that that the wonder of this verse has grown stale, right? Or that you never really understood it at all. Might it be that that the magnitude of, of this grace and forgiveness on display here, Jesus becoming our substitute that our lives might become hidden with Christ in God, might it be that the magnitude of this message has faded, even if you believe it? Might it be that we have forgotten that as the evangelist and pastor F.B. Meyer, who was a contemporary of, of Moody's, might it be that we've forgotten that in Christ, check this out, the love of God toward you is like the Amazon River flowing down to water a single daisy. Because, I mean, we're... We're just not going to be joyful messengers if the message itself does not bring us joy. So let me, let me end with this. Pressing into the, the beauty and the glory of what it means to become the righteousness of God. And this actually brings us back to the, the identity matters we introduced last week in part one. It comes full circle. Uh, Rankin Wilburn, author of Union with Christ, which is a book we read here as a church a few years ago. He was formerly a pastor in Los Angeles, and so he, he'd he had some friendships, a lot of friendships with people who either are or used to be Disneyland cast members. And one of them in particular used to be a Mickey Mouse character actor. I guess that's the, the, the pinnacle of it all, right? used to be a Mickey Mouse character actor in a, in a moment of vulnerability. <laughs> this friend told Rankin-Wilburn this, he said, growing up my core beliefs were that I was not worthy, accepted, or loved. So I would clamor and manufacture ways to elicit the positive responses I wanted from people. So when I put on Mickey's costume, I get that positive response. Times It's heartbreaking. <laughs> I mean, this, this person is a she, actually. She wanted acceptance and approval, so she essentially manufactured an alternate identity for herself when she put on that Mickey costume so she could find that approval. So families with, with small children would walk up to her and smile and, and give her hugs. It's crushing. And how many of us are doing precisely the same thing in our vocational lives, in our relationships with others? How many of us are manufacturing identities in, in a desperate search for meaning and for approval? But here's the thing. When we put on Christ, when we put on Christ, not Mickey Mouse, when we put on Christ, we get approval We get praise from God the Father. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see Mickey Mouse. He sees Jesus himself, the righteousness of Jesus. He embraces us because of what Christ has done for us. Christ represents us, and we're hidden in him. And that's who we are. So if you're ministerial... Joyfulness is on life support. Consider this very joyfully this morning that if you are hidden with Christ in God, He looks upon you with the Father looks upon you with such magnificent joy and in love, love so profound. It's like the the waters of the Amazon River flowing down to nourish a single flower. Amen. Every Sunday at City Church, we participate in the Lord's Supper together. I want to say this very clearly: ministers of reconciliation need to be nourished spiritually, and that's what this is—an opportunity to remember for our our joy to be poured into. It's like the Lord's Supper is, in many ways, it's like this pot of joy that the Lord just like taking and dumping over into our lives. So we're not just remembering when we submit to this meal in faith. God is using it by the power of the Spirit to nourish us and really change us, to water us. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples, and during the meal he took the bread, and when he broke it, he said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this whenever you eat of it, in remembrance of me. And then in a similar manner, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, one of you drink of it in remembrance of me. And Paul says, As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. A, sur- a sure and certain hope that is such a profound source of joy for followers of Jesus. It is true regardless of our external circumstances. Praise God. Come and be nourished in the Lord. Submit to this meal in faith, all of you who are followers of Jesus. After I pray, there will be an elder or a deacon on either side of this table. They'll have a bowl with some wafers. When you approach them, they'll put one of the wafers in your hand, and you can pivot and grab one of the cups of juice from the table. You're welcome to kneel and pray and take the elements up here. You can go back to your seat. And also, after the communion service is over, um, we'll have the elder or deacon who served the meal on either side of the sanctuary. Uh, for prayer, and it's the best we can do right now as far as prayer spaces. When we get that building, there's who knows what we'll do, right? We can have a whole room dedicated to prayer, but for now, you've got to kind of go over there in the public eye, and I still think that the Lord will use it. Be bold. So let me pray for us. Approach the table, and if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, um, we're so glad that you're here. Instead of taking this meal that you wouldn't say that you believe in, we encourage you instead to reflect on what we've just been talking about, and I would implore you this morning be reconciled to God. Lord, we do give you praise as we meet with you, commune with you through this communion meal. Take that that bucket of joy as we remember what Christ has done and accomplished for us and just, just dump it on us this morning as we're navigating all kinds of challenges, getting kind of into the the dog days of this semester, still navigating COVID with all of the various challenges and disappointments, frankly, sometimes that that involves. And Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where sin might be interfering with our commissioning to be ministers of reconciliation, that we might confess it And Father, would you give us fresh boldness this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: It's who you are to you are to you are and i'm loved by you to i am to i am to i am And you're perfect in all of your
4: ways you are
3: perfect in all of your ways you are perfect So undeniable, I I can hardly speak so unexplainable, I can hardly think as you call me, deeper still as you call me, deeper still as you call me. Deeper still into love, love, your good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You guys can stand with us. My hope is built On nothing less Than Jesus' blood
1: Really great to see you guys. Thank you for joining us this morning and worshiping with us. If you're not in Christ, we implore you to be reconciled to God. If you are in Christ, go and be ministers of reconciliation today throughout the week. Hear this benediction, and we'll sing the doxology together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.
3: It's God from whom all blessings flow, praise, praise him, him all creatures here one piece.
0: Don't ask me how Cause I can't explain It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here I've got some blessings That I don't deserve I've got some scars But that's how you learn It's nothing short of a miracle Think it over and it doesn't matter I know it comes from above I've got miracles on miracles to